Welcome to the Young Adult Podcast, where we will be engaging in weekly conversations around the amazing, tough, fun, weird, but extremely important and defining season of your 20s, all while bringing you more of a biblical perspective. Our goal is to dive deeper into conversations that push you, challenge you, and hopefully inspire you to begin to walk in the fullness of who God created you to be, which we believe will make you the most effective for the kingdom of God. Let's jump into this week's episode. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Young Adult Podcast. My name is Connor, and I will be your host. Joining me today, we have a very, very special guest, somebody that we have been wanting to get on the podcast for a long time. Um, I'm sure if you, unless you live under a rock, you have probably engaged with some of her content before in some way, shape, or form. You may know her as Raised to Stay, but I would love to introduce to you today the one and only Miss Natalie Runyon. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Natalie, how are you today? I am good. It's Monday. It's sunny. Everything's good. I know. It's nice. It's nice. We actually we have a campus, uh, Red Rocks campus in Austin, and they're the ones ironically getting all the... Uh, ice and snow right now and we're kind of chilling in the 50s and stuff so it is it's great to be in Colorado right it now. is it so. is <laughs> yeah and so you you live down in the springs correct yes so you're about an hour away yep yes yeah, so we we'll just give you a call and you can always come up and do a podcast that's right so. just jump in the car <laughs> no that's awesome <laughs> well hey thank you for real for taking time to come and to hang out with us I know your schedule is blowing up you're like you, I think you said before we started filming, you were just in Canada. Yep. What part of Canada? Calgary, about two hours. It's a two-hour flight, which is shocking, really. Well, that's not that bad. It's not bad at all. Was it freezing up there? No, it's like here. Oh, no way. It is. It's, it's very similar. Now, I have not been to the other parts of the country, but okay. Cal- Calgary was nice. Okay, I actually have a friend from Calgary who always tried to talk me up, but Denver's like stretching it for me i'm like made to be in the sun yeah and so i I just associate canada with like freezing cold temperatures (laughs) and so no but hey thank you so much for taking some time um i know that there are so many young adults in our ministry um and even people who are listening on our podcast around the world who have known you through engaging with your content through raise to stay um but i would love to give them just for the next couple minutes sort of a peek behind the curtain and get to know the person behind the Instagram, the black boxes, the amazing quotes. Um, so I would love for you to just take a minute and kind of share your story on, you know, how you got to this place and where sort of Raised to Stay came from. Well, I'm a pastor's kid and I grew up in the church and it's kind of like the family business that you didn't know you were going to inherit. It's okay. like, you know, when you're a pastor's kid, it's just assumed you're going to go into ministry. And yeah. I was supposed to go to Lee College in Cleveland, Tennessee, which is a really well-known university in the denomination that we grew up in. And my senior year of high school, my parents just got really hurt. And I think watching them go through that made me take a second look at what I wanted to do with my life. And I had wanted to be a youth pastor and worship leader. And I ended up going to Miami of Ohio and completely abandoning anything that had to do anything to do with ministry. And majored in kinesiology and graduated with a degree in physical education and health sciences. And I just told the Lord, like, if this is ministry, if this is your church, it's not not for me. But Campus Crusade for Christ was on campus, and it was the largest in the nation at the time. Louis Giglio had just started Passion um, down in Atlanta, and it was just campus ministries were like the thing. Yeah, like blowing up. Yeah, and I just started leading worship, and I will never forget Jenny Riddle had just written a song called Revelation Song, 
and Carrie Job was making it well known, and it was before social media, before anything, and a church called and said, we would love for you to come lead worship for us and sing Revelation song. It's a new song. Would you do it? And I remember just being like, no, that's not what I do anymore. I don't, I don't do that. And I, yeah. But I went, and I sang it, and it changed me. It, it reminded me that I did have something in me that was still very much drawn to ministry. So for 10 years, I was bivocational worship leader and gym teacher. Oh, and wow. um, did that until I was 33. And then at 33, had the opportunity to go full-time onto a church staff in Cincinnati and have been doing full-time ministry ever since. And it was really... Just that whole wandering and wondering and wrestling of like, is this my parents' faith? Is it my faith? Did my parents just love the church and I did it as default? Yeah. Or do I really love the church? And I, and I was pleasantly surprised to find that I really did love the church, but I had to go on my own journey yeah. to find that. And now at 43, to be in more of a global ministry, telling people not to quit feels yeah. very strange considering that I almost did. Yeah, and it's crazy that how relevant that message is, especially post-COVID to, to pastors and anybody in any capacity that works within a church. I mean, people are tough. You know, you can pour your entire life into somebody and you make a comment or maybe they misinterpret your heart on a certain situation and they just completely phase you out of their life. And you, it can be a lot to kind of carry around and do ministry for a substantial amount of time. I actually grew up, I grew up going to church, but I never, uh, my parents were like the best volunteers you could ever want, but they both were public school teachers. Um, and I remember, I'll never forget my, uh, my mom desperately wanting me to go to Liberty University. And I went down there and it was a cool school, like nothing against Liberty whatsoever. But I just remember I was definitely sort of like lukewarm Christian kid on Sunday, doing my own thing throughout the week. And when I found out you had to wear khakis and a polo, that was all I needed to know. And I was like, nope, I'm going to VCU, going to the big public school. Um, and actually didn't become a Christian until uh, my freshman year of college. It's like a real like follower of Jesus. And so, yeah, I actually never really grew up with uh, you know parents consistently doing ministry, but was always kind of around it. And now as a father of two, I kind of have those those thoughts of like, I wonder what my kids are going to think about this or feel about this. And and luckily, I feel like we live in a day and age where there's a lot more sort of awareness around like health of family. And, you know, the pastor who's at his church for 80 hours a week is no longer the, the model to be glorified. Right. Um, so hopefully there's a lot more awareness and health sort of surrounding like ministry life balance. So Okay, so you're, you're figuring out life. You're sort of bivocational. Then you take a job and you're a full-time worship leader. Where did this, this Instagram account that has now sort of become this like movement around the world, um, you know, raised to stay, where was that birthed out of and how did that come into being? We moved here from Cincinnati to Colorado Springs in 2017 to be part of New Life Worship, which is, you know, Friends of Red Rocks. Worship. Yeah. And it was like the dream job. And I don't know if you've ever felt entitled. None of us have felt entitled, I'm sure. Yeah. But at, you know, at being 37, 38, having a song picked up by integrity, finally feeling like I had, you know, kind of earned my way up the ranks. Yeah. Coming to Colorado felt like a dream because it was like, oh, this is how I'm going to die. I'm going to go out. I'm going to be 80 and still leading worship in Colorado. Yeah. I want to make roots. This is going to be the best thing. And 
we get out here and, you know, I just want to tell people like ministry is never easy. No matter how big the church is, no matter how famous the people are, you know, ministry is ministry and it's in the trenches. And we got out here and that was the same. It was hard. It was difficult. And, you know, I wanted worship to be the thing that was my thing. That was my identity. It was a pastor's kid when I was younger. It was a worship leader when I got older. And the Lord just really did an identity crisis with me. He just really asked me to kind of let him pry worship for my cold, dead hands. And they asked me if I would take women's ministry. And I just remember thinking, like, that's not why we came here. Yeah. And there were other circumstances surrounding that. And I was walking the dog. It was June of 2019. And I'm walking the dog on a summer day. And I just tell the Lord, I'm done. Like 40 years, I'm 40 years old. It seems like a good holy number to tap out, right? 40 (laughs) years in the wilderness, 40 years (laughs) wandering. And I was crying. Like I just was so disappointed in the church. I was disappointed in the way that we do things and just thought if this is how my next 40 years are going to be, no, thank you. I just want to be a Starbucks barista. Like if I could just go work at Starbucks, that would just be really a lot of fun, honestly. Yeah. And I just felt like the Lord in that moment on that walk was like, you know, Natalie, is it okay that I haven't changed my mind about you, but I want to change my method and how I use you? Wow. Because I do think that we get caught up in our identity so easily. Well, I'm an athlete or I'm a musician or I'm, you know, the popular one or I'm the funny one. And the the Lord gives us those things for a reason, but we're not one trick ponies. Yeah. And it was in that moment I heard that audible phrase raised to stay. And I remember stopping dead in my tracks, just chills all over my body. And I just take off running home. And I Google raised Tuesday and there's nothing. There's not anything that has that title. And the Lord said, you know, worship was what got you back into ministry. It will always be a tool in your tool belt, but I have something else I need you to do for the rest of your life. You're going to tell people they can't quit, but you had to want to quit to be able to tell the story. Wow. And I remember him just saying, we have to come to the end of ourselves before I can really begin. Yeah. And he said, good, good. That's where we're at. Now I can actually start working. Yeah. And I wrote my first black box. I wrote it um, and posted it. And I just said, the church did not hurt you. A few broken people did. Don't give up. You were raised to stay. And that was the first one. That's crazy. I would actually love to hear your thoughts and perspective on this idea of God sort of challenging what he wanted you to do kind of into your 40s. Because one thing that we talk about so much on the podcast here and so much on Thursday nights is people have this idea that by age 25, they should be in the thing that they are doing for the rest of their lives. And then we turn 25. I'm 34. And even as a young adult pastor who loves what I do dearly, like who knows what I'm going to be doing in 10 years. And I think that there's this narrative that if you're a follower of Jesus and you're a young professional, you need to have it figured out by the time you're like 25. And when we don't do that, there's this panic of what's wrong with me? Does God have a purpose for me? Am I missing something? And it's so cool that being 40 years old and having God completely sort of shift the trajectory of how he wanted to use you, like I'm sure that wasn't easy, like you were saying, but it's. I think that's sort of the pattern of how God moves in our lives. It's yeah. not, you know, I, I always, I kind of said this to our young adults the other week. The Bible says, I know the plans I have for you, not the plan that I have for you. Yes. There's an S at the end of that. And so if you, if you wouldn't mind, take a couple minutes and talk about what that was like to really feel like 
I know who I am. I'm the worship leader. I came here to do this thing. Oh my gosh, I feel like God is calling me to completely make a shift. Like, what was that like? Well, it's grieving. And I I think we have to give ourselves permission to grieve what's been lost a lot of times because we do gaslight ourselves. We do kind of say, oh, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, This is just part of life. And, And we've learned just to kind of pull our bootstraps up and just keep going. But I really had to mourn at 40 what I thought it was going to look like to come here to do this thing that just felt so special. And I, I believe we all want to feel special. I feel like we all want to believe that our calling is the one that's going to catapult us into whatever trajectory we think we deserve or, or earned. And for me, it was just a humbling moment of like, I am never done with you. Yeah. You are always going to be growing. You're always going to be a work in progress. You're always going to be humbled. You're always going to have to learn something new. And and that was really hard because I was tired. Yeah. I was tired of the game. I was tired of um, trying to you know get to the next best thing. And I think a lot of us in our 20s, we just start to have panic, almost like a FOMO. But FOMO, not fear of missing out, but fear of missing opportunity. Like, if I don't get to do this thing right now, it's never going to be there for me. And that's a massive trick of the enemy. Wow. Um, Because you have to remember, the first trick of the enemy was in Genesis when he asks Eve, did God really say that? So the very first trick was making humans, the creation of God, doubt the voice of God. Yeah. So if we can constantly, if he can constantly be having us doubt what we're hearing God doing, then we will take matters into our own hands And we'll try to control every outcome. And I literally had lost control. There was nothing that I could do in that moment to get back worship. There was nothing I could do to, I mean, I'd move my family. Like we couldn't go back. Yeah. And so the Lord really did have me in this sweet space of full full dependency on him. Yeah. I wrote it yesterday. So I get these black box requests and people will ask me to write black boxes for people. And yesterday they asked me to write one for young people. Oh, wow. They asked me to write one for the 20-somethings. So this is what I wrote yesterday. I said, for the young and anointed, the modern-day Davids facing everyday giants, you are old souls with a modern word. Some will say you're too young, but you've got your five smooth stones. And even though you're still learning how to aim, God has called you to this battle. Your giants are naysayers and critics, feelings of inadequacy and maturity. It often feels like you're a child playing dress-up in your mother's pearls or your father's shoes, but this isn't make-believe. God has entrusted you with a nation while you were decorating your dorm room. You might feel scared. Others might feel entitled. But just remember that too much is given, much is required. So the challenge is growing up quickly while maintaining your innocence. It's a selfie world and a selfless kingdom, and that is a war all its own. You will try on Saul's armor only to find it won't fit, so don't try to be anyone else. What you carry is just your size. You will demand platforms because we taught you visibility is influence, but don't fall for it. Public arenas only set you up for for public falls. So do your best work in the field and choose your army with great care. Not everyone will fight for you. Be mindful that just as God has called you up, he can sit you down. So hold titles loosely, success with great respect, and understand that applause can quickly turn to jeers. Just ask Jesus. There isn't a script for this, so you're going to need others around you to keep your feet on the ground and your head on straight. Don't let anyone tell you that you're too young. God is confident in those he calls. But remember, you still have to learn. You have a lot to learn, to walk humbly, to listen closely. Be willing to be wrong and be quiet when you're right. Pride comes before the fall. 
You are the brave ones. We need your fearless spirit and your childlike faith. Just remember childlike and childish aren't the same. What you have said yes to will demand your life, so stay alert. God isn't concerned with your age, but neither are your giants. If you enter the field, come ready for battle. Raise your voice with confidence. Your message has a reason and it has a season. We are proud of you, little brothers and sisters, and we come behind you with sword and spear to train and protect. Keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your feet on the ground, and keep your heart soft for the kingdom. That's so awesome. And that's what I needed somebody to tell me at 25. Like, yes, you have a word and you have a calling and it's going to change all the time. Yeah. I think one thing too, especially in the church world, but we're even seeing this a lot in Gen Z where you, you said in that post, we equate exposure to influence. And I remember even um, coming up, I was an intern at this church before I was ever like a young adult pastor. Um, and that was kind of when Instagram and like the the celebrity-ish pastor with all these followers was kind of like beginning to be a thing. And I think subconsciously for so many people, and this is within the context of ministry, and I even think outside of ministry, just in working in, you know, as a as an accountant or whatever, we feel like there is this like necessity that if we are going to be successful or purposeful or whole, we have to have exposure. Um, and exposure and influence aren't the same thing. I would love to hear your your thoughts and your heart on that because I know that's a lot of the people we talk to kind of are wrestling with that tension of, I feel like I'm being faithful, but nobody knows who I am. Does that mean I'm not being faithful? It's, it's like mind-blowing to me because we would have never 20 years ago even thought about being influencers. We would have said we want to do what makes us happy. We want to do what gives us joy. But I love this kind of like um, difference between influence and authority. Yeah. So like we can have influence and influence is our like actual like where we have physical proximity. But then authority is what God has given us and, and who he's entrusted to us. And when I got this book deal to write this book, I had 1,200 followers, and there were major publishers who loved the book but wouldn't sign me because I didn't have enough followers. That's crazy. And what's what's interesting to me about that is we wonder then why we have the younger generation kind of chasing this because they're seeing that the only people who get to have influence are the people who have the followers. Yeah. And, and that's not true. Authority is actually what we need to have in front of us. I was on a podcast last year when I only had about 2,000 followers and raised this day. And the guy said, I just don't understand why you don't have any more followers. And I said, I do because I told the Lord to only give me what I could steward. That's awesome. And if I can't steward 2,000, why would he give me 20,000? Yeah. What does that mean, steward? It means take care of, to nourish, to protect, to speak to. And I had no idea he would trust me with 85,000. I had, like, that was not even on my scope. But I just knew that he would only give me what I could steward. Yeah. And I think we, our eyes are bigger than our stomachs. Yeah, We think we can just have it all and handle it all. Um, But I'm going to tell you guys, 43-year-old Natalie is overwhelmed. 25-year-old Natalie would have drowned. So what the Lord has given me at 43, I would have never have been able to have carried at 25. And so the last 20 years, he's been teaching me how to carry what he's giving me now. Yeah. And, and that's humbling, and it's also terrifying that we do have some people in their 20s and 30s grabbing for that authority when it hasn't yet been released to them. Yeah. That, what's so cool, there's a guy at our church um, named Scott Brugman. He's actually the, 
the founder, the guy who started the church. He's not the lead pastor, but he doesn't have social media. He doesn't have anything like that. So literally zero followers when it comes to social. But I don't know of a voice that has more influence and has more authority. Um, he's somebody that people from across the nation seek out on like how to start churches. And you would never think that because you can't find him online. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. He just lives in his office in Littleton. And, and so, um, yeah, I think, and what's so crazy is we're seeing a lot of people who are sort of raised up with a ton of followers and we automatically equate that with having like a weight, like a weighty message. Um, and so, yeah, I, something that I mean, I, I wrestle with is, man, do I have enough followers? Am I doing the right thing? And I know that's just a narrative that is kind of carried out throughout the young adult world, the twenties and early thirties. And so to hear your thoughts on that is that's really cool. Um, to just to hear how you weren't ready for that at, at 25. Um, I'm not even ready for it now. I mean, I, <laughs> like I land places when I, when I travel and people have made t-shirts that say raised to stay and they've made banners and they've made backdrops and, and the Lord is just always constantly on me. Like you need to stay so humble in this moment because we will all be held accountable for what he's asked us to steward. Yeah. And when I get to heaven, I will be held accountable for every event, every black box that I have written, every word that has been spoken or put in text. Like that weight terrifies me. And that is what the reality is. This is not glamorous. What what we see on social media, what we what we see is yes a byproduct of maybe getting to be on a platform for 20 minutes. But the behind the scenes is watching people weep when you ask them to raise their hand if they've been abused by someone in the church and you realize that out of 40 people, three women have been sexually abused by a pastor. And suddenly it's not just black boxes anymore and a following. Now it's, yeah. oh, oh my goodness, we have to, we have so much work to do. Yeah. And that's what I carry every day. Yeah. You know, which, you, which I don't talk about. Yeah. On the social media part. Yeah. So raised to stay, there's obviously sort of a context to that. Um, I'm assuming raised to stay within church, around church, even when church isn't as beautiful as it should be. Um, I think we live in a world where I actually don't think the young adults like Gen Z coming up um, hate the church or reject the church. I think the word I would use is they're very suspicious of church. I think that they believe that good things can come from church, but they've also been around long enough to see maybe the more well-known pastors have public falls, maybe accounts that maybe point out uh, you know, private jets and just different things like that that might paint a different image of what they anticipated a pastor or a church to live like or be like. Talk to me a little bit about this raise to stay within the context of maybe the suspicious world we live in surrounding church. Well, Gen Z, I mean, they're the generation who wants authenticity. Yeah. I'm, I'm raising my own Gen Z. Or they, they want conversation. They want eye-to-eye, -eye, you know, contact. Um, they aren't as impressed by the things we were impressed with. Our generation did start the whole social media thing. I'm part of the generation that lived 18 years with it, 18 years without it. So some of us are on it, some of us aren't. But we kind of started that. So this generation is saying, prove to me you love me. Have the hard and holy conversations that tell me you care about what's happening in my life. And the church is not good at that. The church yeah. is not good at wrestling. 
But this generation wants to wrestle. They want to have the conversations about LGBTQ and racism, and they want to talk about it. And so we have to show up yeah, and help remove some of that suspicion. Chris Vallotton has a quote that says that suspicion is just discernment masked by fear. And as believers, we are all gifted in, in many ways with this gift of discernment. You add authenticity to that and transparency and in all of those, this generation is hot. Like they can they can discern a room in a second. Yeah. And so if they show up and they're suspicious, my question is, what are they suspicious of? Because I want to know. Yeah. What they're seeing from us as leaders that's making them feel suspicious. Are are we not being authentic enough? Are we um, being double minded? Are we saying one thing and doing another? So I don't I don't question their suspicion. I want to know what we're doing to make them suspicious because there's something there then. Yeah, absolutely. I know there's there's kind of this like phrase that I heard one time. Um, and at first I was kind of like, okay, it sounds a little bitter, but the more that I've pastored, the more that I've seen. It, it was just a, a little tag on Instagram that said, let's make lobbies the new green rooms. Um, and at first I was like, okay, but the more I've thought about it, the more I'm like, well, yeah. Like where did this idea of green rooms and churches even really come from outside of, you know, maybe worship leaders and pastors, like literally prepping to walk out on a stage. But there is there is this, I think there was this move of, I hate using this word because in some ways I don't think you can control who or how many people follow you, but of celebrityism in church that for, for a little while we all really leaned into. And what's really cool and really refreshing about this next generation is they don't care about that at all. And in some ways, that might even be a bit of a, a turnoff, a bit of a red flag of, of suspicion that doesn't make you inauthentic or illegitimate if you have the followers or whatever, but that they're just going to really kind of put you under a microscope and say, okay, like, let's see if this is legit or not. And so we live in a world, unfortunately, where where there are public figures, they do have public falls. Um how would you say as a young adult who maybe has really kind of put their trust and put their faith in, you know, not only the work of Jesus, but they're really in a church. And then we see somebody have like a public fall and, and we all kind of feel this like, oh, man, I was I tricked? Was I fooled? Like, how do you deal with maybe that internal conversation that starts to happen when we see, unfortunately, human beings being used by God, being exposed for being a human? You know what I mean? Yeah, and through Scripture we see it. You know, yeah. if you know Scripture, you know that some of Jesus' most you know, closest followers and disciples were people that had public falls or lives before they accepted Jesus. And then even after Jesus ascended into heaven, they were going around acting like fools in some ways, you yeah. know, because they're just human. But, you know, when I was a little girl, it started for me very early. I would watch my dad come home, and, and, and you know, I could hear him telling my mom things through through the walls of, people who were having affairs or things that were happening. And I just remember always being so disappointed, not necessarily that they had sinned, but that they had been tricked by the enemy. Yeah. And what was happening in their lives at the time that made them believe the enemy's voice over their father's voice. That was how, as a kid, I kind of would separate that. And I have to, I have to say that even now, when I see people who I love because now it's happening to my peers. Now it's not yeah. people my parents' age. Now it's people my age who are being exposed for having affairs or living alternate lifestyles. And, you know, it's it's always devastating. But then I remember who they were before it happened. 
and how powerful their message was and how amazing they were uh, to speak to and who, people who prayed for me. And they're the same person. Mm-hmm. That their, their message has not changed. It's just that they listen to the enemy's voice a little bit more loudly than God's voice for a season. And God is capable of redeeming them. Just like we are going to fall short every single day, we're just not on a public platform for it to be exposed. That's why I say be careful because a public platform will lend itself to a public fall. Yeah. And to much is given, much is required. So I always have to remember that they're not any different than they were when they were preaching a, a, a gospel a year ago. That even though their fall has been public and it has disappointed me, I am one bad decision away from being in that same place. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's sobering. Yeah, it really is. It's why I travel with a companion everywhere I go. It's why my husband has access to every single text message and thread that I'm on. Um, accountability, one of the big black boxes that went viral was when I said accountability is not church hurt. Yeah, I think that's one of the first ones I ever saw. Yeah, yeah because... We think people telling us what to do is not freedom, but in fact, accountability is freedom. Yeah. You know, and when it's done in love, it's a way for us to kind of have one more layer of protection. Um, And some people just don't have that layer for a season, and that's why the enemy can kind of sneak in, and and he's very sly. Um, And I just think we have to remember that the enemy is the enemy. We're not each other's enemy. Yeah. And the people who fall are not our enemy, Um, unless we fall, right? Yeah. and the, and the Bible even talks about how a righteous person will fall many times, but they continue to get up. Get up. And I mean, I think that's that's the gospel in and of itself is that clearly we can't do it. Um, we, we need somebody to do it on our behalf. And Absolutely. so, yeah, I, I do think, though, that there is it's so unfortunate. I, I, I hope that no one would ever celebrate the fall of maybe a public figure in the Christian world. Um, I think sometimes we can be quick to be like, I knew there was something going on behind the scenes or something like that. But when it comes to, again, like your name, raised to Stay, to the person who's listening, who maybe has experienced some church hurt or maybe has sort of watched the church from afar um, and kind of only hears the news, you know, through the media or the documentaries that are made, what would be your case to somebody to say, yes, while the church is imperfect, and broken, I really think it's worth you investing your life and your trust in. I always say if raised to abide would have sounded as good, it would have been the word that I would have chosen. (laughs) Because staying indicates that we stay through abuse, we stay through toxic situations, and that's not the heart behind raised to stay. So when I explain it, I say if if we look at John 15, Jesus is saying, I am the vine and the, the father is the branches, and he's just talking through like the pruning and the growing on everything and abide in me and I'm going to be in you. And so the whole goal here is not to stay in a church, but to abide in Christ. And when we abide in Christ and our hope is in Jesus and our strength is in Jesus and everything about our yes is Jesus, then when somebody does do something that disappoints us, our hope is not in man. Yeah. One of my mentors always says, I refuse to be impressed by anyone but Jesus. Wow, that's and good. I just, I have to believe that, that when we choose to abide in Jesus and when he is with the Father and the Father is with him and then therefore we are with Jesus and he is with us. And when that pruning does happen, because it will come, and pruning could look like a fall or pruning could look like just a good humble pie, a good dose of humble pie for someone. Yeah. 
But when that pruning happens, it's always so that we can bear new fruit and good fruit and healthy fruit. And I think sometimes when we see somebody fall, we just immediately go to, well, it's all bad. Yeah. And what I choose to see it as is God is pruning his church. He is pruning his people. And if we will let him and we stay connected to that vine, good fruit will come. Yeah. And so what I would say is it's going to be really easy for you to attach a Jesus to people. Mm-hmm. And I would say don't attach a perfect Jesus to imperfect people. Yeah. Keep those two very separate. Hold people loosely. Know that God is the same God to each and every one of us and that he is the capability to speak to each of us the same. And to just remember that he did not say follow people. He said follow me. Yeah. And, and he is the one who is good. And his promises are the only promises that we can trust. And everything else is a, is a gift, right? Yeah. Anything else is a, is a bonus here on yeah. earth. So, so for the person who's listening, who maybe um, has been weary of heading into a church or been, or been maybe like on the fence, maybe watching online, but has never like stepped foot in a church yet, um, what would be your push to be like, hey, like go for it, like give it a shot, like even though it's messy, like you can trust it? Yeah, there's something really special about the family of God. I think... One of the reasons that a lot of us stay is because of nostalgia. We have good memories, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I would say go. I, I would say go and, and give people a try. Give give people the opportunity to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. And give it more than a week. Give it more than yeah. a month. Go in and, and get involved as in many things as you can. Rock babies. Walk strollers. Um, serve coffee. Hand out candy in the foyer. Ask if you could audition for the worship team. Whatever it is that... When you think about the church that it needs, like go and be that thing that you needed. Be the person and give it a good three to six months in one house. Don't hop around, get involved in a small group, really experience how that church does life. And the good news is we're in America. You could literally throw a stone at the church across the street and go see the next one. But I would just say that God's the church is God's idea and anything that God thinks up is good. So I want to find out. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt to prove me wrong. Yeah. And so instead of just letting the enemy whisper that lie that it's all bad, just go and, and prove him wrong. If you're going to prove anybody wrong, prove the enemy wrong. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. That is so good. Um, so as far as like raise to stay and everything that you're doing, um, it's making such an impact in the world. I know you said that you've got a book coming out soon. Um, from where, from its humble origins of of you kind of walking around navigating life to where it to what it's become right now, what is your hope and your heart for Raise to Stay? Um, what do you hope to see it become in the next like three to five years? I mean, the big goal is I just want to see us become the remnant. I want to see us be this broken group of people who have survived whatever it is that we have survived, be it COVID the deconstruction movement, whatever we want to call it. I just, I see us being this beautiful remnant of people who have survived a catastrophe. And that's what the last, it feels like the last seven years has just been a church-wide catastrophe of things getting blown up and deconstructed and people not trying to rebuild. I just want to see what happens when we all come together and just resolve in our spirits. We're not going to quit on Jesus. We're not going to quit on each other. And we're going to show up and we're going to be the church to each other. Even if the building, even if the physical church has broken us, that we will become so just resolved in our spirits that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it, that we will actually be part of that completion. So between the book and traveling and conferences, 
that stayers would just rise up all over the, the world and that we would just kind of have this collective voice of the enemy can throw whatever he wants at us. We're not going to give up. That's so awesome. Well, hey, you got a group of stayers in this room. Um, you got some fans cheering you on, some people that are in your corner. And so genuinely, we're super grateful that you would take some time to come and to, to hang out and to talk with us. Um, I know that uh, to, to give you a little plug, you said you have a book coming out. When is yeah. that coming out and what is that? What's that going to kind of be about? Yeah, so it's called Raised to Stay, Persevering in Ministry When You Have a Million Reasons to Walk Away. And it comes out on the 4th of July. Oh, that's awesome. Me and America. We're, there, coming, there, we're yeah. coming to your door. There you go. Yeah, you go. so we'll have audiobooks, all the pre-orders. You can pre-order it now on Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble. And then you'll get the audiobook. You'll get some gifts when you pre-order. Um, but I have a dream to see it hit New York Times bestseller list. A, a book about a reconciled church hitting the New York Times list would be Incredible. That, that's crazy because that is, I think that's the one thing we love so much about your message is the message of like reconciliation. I think it's really easy to write books about either the flaws of church or the perfection of church, mm -hmm. but to, to be able to stand in the middle and say, Hey, there, there are some things that need reconciled, but God's called us to be those people to stay and to reconcile those things. Yes. That is a fresh word that I think the world, not not just Christians and not even just people who are potentially interested in faith, I think that's a message that the world needs to see because genuinely Jesus is the hope of the world and he he uses the local church in all capacities to bring his message. And when we can kind of stand in that gap with that message of reconciliation, I think it. I think it acknowledges the questions and suspicions, while also um, agreeing with what God has said is like good and holy about yeah. His church. And so, man, I think you have one of the most timely messages for for this generation, this up and coming generation. And I'm just so excited to see God continuing to move in your life, your platform, um, and all of that great stuff. And so, yeah. Um, any last or final thoughts you have for the uh, the YA podcast audience listening out there? Just remember that God always finishes what he starts, and that includes you. So if you've got breath in your lungs, he's not done yet. That's awesome. So, Natalie, you also have a podcast, correct? <laughs> yes. yes. What, what's your podcast? It's called Raised to Stay, and we're doing a series right now called Staying Through dot, 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 and it's individuals' testimonies of people who are not famous. They don't have large churches, but they're in the trenches just like you and me. Um, doing hard things and they're staying despite really difficult things. So we're doing like raised to stay through betrayal, uh, raised to stay through the unknowns, raised to stay through transitions. When do you know it's time to go? Um, so yeah, you can find that on all streaming platforms. There you go. Raised to stay podcast as well. And obviously if people kind of want to follow your journey and follow your account, that's just at raised to yep. stay on Instagram that's as well. It. Right. Yep. Well, hey, thank you so much um, you for coming, for hanging out, for making the drive. We genuinely appreciate it. Um, I hope that every single person who listens to this podcast, one, will go give her a follow, subscribe to her podcast, and just continue to share the story that she's created of, of this reconciliation between staying through hard times and, and the goodness that you can find in in God's church. And so Natalie, thank you. We thank genuinely, you we, we're so grateful that you are here and came to hang out. So, all right, well, that will kind of wrap us up for the Young Adult Podcast this week. Like I said, be sure to go give Natalie a, a subscribe to her podcast, subscribe to her Instagram, and you can find all things Red Rocks Young Adults at Red Rocks YA 
on Instagram as well. We love you guys, and we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Have a good one, guys.